Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode right before the draft. That's what episode is. <laughs> my name is Kyle Posey. I am your host. I am joined by my co-host, as always, Akash. Akash, what up, man? What's up, KP? Uh, I know we didn't. I wasn't on last week. I was down a little bit after having the COVID vaccine, but we're back. We're ready to go. The NFL draft is this week in a couple days, and we're fired up, man. Couldn't be more excited. There is a lot that is going to happen over the next couple of days. There is a lot that has already happened, and these rumors are not going anywhere. Mac Jones is not going anywhere. We, if you have not heard it yet, Rob Guerrera and myself interviewed Trey Lance on Tuesday. That was great. He was a great interview. He gave us just a good conversation, a nice, genuine conversation. And that's a player that is easy to root for. And if he does end up being the pick with the 49ers, it'll be fun to just watch his career unfold. Let's start with Monday's press conference. We're not going to dig too much into it because it didn't feel like we learned anything new. But at the same time, there was a little more aggression than usual from one head coach, and that is Kyle Shanahan, especially when the conversation came up about his current starter. So we weren't going to get any new information out of Kyle as far as what he likes about certain quarterbacks, who the quarterback he is interested in. He did not budge off of that, but he was very evident that it seemed, you know, Jimmy is not coming back. And that was pretty much the main takeaway. He kept saying starter. And then he was pushing back more than ever, it seemed like. So when you listen to watch the press conference, what was your main takeaway other than Kyle hates Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, so you and I have been watching Kyle Shanahan's press conferences for, what, a couple years now? And especially over this last year, uh, during COVID, during the pandemic, all the press conferences have been on Zoom. So you and I, we both don't live in Santa Clara, but we've been able to watch every single one uh, during the week, through the season, postseason, preseason, all that stuff. That was the most aggressive, negative, defensive, whatever you want to call it, that I've seen Kyle Shanahan in a long time. And, you know, it's not like the team was particularly great last season and they had a lot of tough moments, yet Kyle was always calm and collected in those postgame press conferences, those midweek press conferences. He never seemed rattled, yet for some reason uh, on during Monday's press conference, he seemed rattled. He seemed defensive. He was coming out and saying things that I just wouldn't expect from him, uh, especially the comment about uh, we wouldn't even know if we'd be alive on Sunday, whatever, right? <laughs> um, I, just, I just thought that was you know a little crazy just given what's going on, and it was just weird to see from Kyle, and it got me thinking like, okay, like why, is, why are they doing this, right? Um, and a lot of people assumed it was because they thought the pick was going to be Mac Jones or whatever. I just, it just seemed a little too convenient for me that Kyle Shanahan, who wasn't scheduled to be on this press conference, he was a late addition. He comes on and he's going to tip his hand and show that Mac Jones is the pick. It's just a little too convenient for me. And my biggest takeaway is that just they've got something in the works. I'm not saying that they're acting or anything like that, but it was, it was just a little too weird for me on Monday. They've been acting this entire time. That's been my takeaway. And I joked with Rob that Kyle came on to essentially prevent John from saying anything. And <laughs> he was very quick to just kind of not so much shut anything up, but he just wasn't going to let anything get out. So we're going to bounce back and forth here and we're going to take some questions as they come in. So Rick Torres asked, what is more important to address in the second round based on the draft depth? So, Thank you, Rick, by the way. So we don't have to just talk about quarterbacks this entire time. So Rick says, <laughs> cornerback, 
interior offensive line or edge. He leans edge. I would agree with you based on, you know, the so the first of all, San Francisco's done a really good job of adding depth. However, some of the depth, you know, there's still going to be questions as far as injury goes. And we know John Lynch, they want a pass rusher. That's what they that's what he said. They want four guys that can get after it. Uh, the guy that they just signed from the Rams, he has never rushed the passer full time. <laughs> so why not yeah. use your second round pick on a guy? So I would go edge. But at the same time, man, it's been almost two decades since they've spent a draft pick on a cornerback in the first two rounds. And that would be very, very tempting because there are going to be guys in there um, right around that range that are going to be tough to pass up. So Greg Newsom, if that's a guy from Northwestern that starts to slide. That's your guy right there. Love, love to even think about trading up for him. Uh, Don't rule that out. Or Tyson Campbell from Georgia. Those two are my guys in the second round. But to answer your question, Rick, Edge, one, cornerback, one, one B, two, and then interior offensive line is a little further down. But I, I agree. So I think it's important to just keep, you know, adding the cupboard, add add more bodies because you never know when you're going to hit, especially on the interior offensive line. I've seen guys hit, become stars that are not first or second rounders. So that's how I'd rank them. How about you, Akash? Yeah, I think the 49ers in free agency did a lot better job than you and I thought, right? They were able to re-sign a lot of guys. They've since added depth, right? They signed Arden Key and Mo Hurst uh, along the defensive line. So they've they've set themselves up where in the draft, they don't have to go reach for a specific need, which they've had to do in the past. So I would say edge and corner are like neck and neck. I tend to lean corner a little bit just because the guys that they have starting, Jason Verrett, uh, Emmanuel Mosley and Kwan Williams all missed, I think it combined like 14 or 15 games last season. And they're basically an injury on the outside away from having a Dante Johnson or, or someone like that play. And I think that's an area that the 49ers need to shore up. And I know you think this is a strong cornerback class, especially with the guys that you listed who I'm not sure if they'll be there at, at 43, but maybe the Niners trade back into the first round or something like that um, and grab one of those guys uh, that you mentioned earlier. But appreciate the question. Yeah, we have another question, and we're just going to keep rolling with these questions. So Ellert Nick at Ellert Nick on Twitter asks, 49ers need receivers. Do you expect them to have two second-round picks, and which receiver are you getting? A bigger guy like Terrence Marshall, a deep threat, De'Ami Brown, slot, Rondell Moore. Does it change based on the QB pick? That's a great question because who is throwing the ball matters on who you're going to select. Under this assumption, let's assume that Akash and I are going to – you know, think it's Ohio State's quarterback. So in that scenario, doesn't really matter the type doesn't of wide matter. receiver. It's going to mean, you know, the guy who just compliments the 49ers wideout. So Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, assuming those guys are going to be healthy and ready to play. So in that scenario, and let's answer his question first. Do you expect them to have two second round picks? The reason that they would have two second round picks is because based on Shanahan's reaction to Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> nobody like, why do we have to pretend like, um, Jimmy Garoppolo being moved is this big shock. Yeah. We've been saying it all along. At the beginning of the process, people were not happy about that. And I remember reading comments on Niners Nation like, oh, we know, we get it, Kyle. Like, we don't think that – or you don't think that Jimmy's good or you're acting like we're going to – the world's going to be over if Jimmy is under center next year. I don't feel that way. I just feel like if you look at what is happening, it is evident that the team does not feel confident that he's going to be healthy. And I also feel like at the same time, his play – has something to do with that as well. But anyway, yes, they're going to have a second round pick because in this scenario, they trade a, they get a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. In that sense, Terrence Marshall would be a great addition because, you know, 
big guy, strong, can fast, can create after the catch. I would go out of the names you listed, De'Ami Brown, 100 times out of 100 because I think he is very good. I think he is going to be a guy that will flourish under Kyle in Kyle Shanahan's system because he can really fly, man. And he is a lot better after the catch than given credit for. So that would be my pick. Do you have any receiver in the second round that you're, you're kind of loving? Yeah, so just to go back and answer Nick's question about will they have two second-round picks, I'm going to say no. So, yes, I do think they trade Jimmy Garoppolo. I do think they get a second-round pick back. I think that they trade back into the first round. Uh-huh. Uh, I think you you hit on this, and they wanted to ask this at the presser. The Niners are just down to, what, I think seven roster spots after they released uh yep, yep, You're right. Right? So seven guys. They've got nine picks right now. So, obviously, this roster is set up in such a way that I don't even think if they had seven or eight picks, all those guys would compete to make the roster. So they're better off trying to get guys in specific spots that they really want that they think can contribute right away. And so I think there's a high chance that they trade back into round one, which would mean that they would use pick 43 and something else to move back up. But I think they have that one second round pick from a potential Jimmy Garoppolo trade. On the receiver front, if we just think about what Kyle's liked in the past and what he's looked for, He's continually trying to find that big slot receiver. You know, a couple years ago, they took Jalen Hurd. That obviously hasn't worked out for injuries. They spent a seventh-round pick on Jawan Jennings. I think he was hurt last season. That didn't work out. So in the slot, he's trying to find a bigger player. And I'm not sure who necessarily fits that mold in this year's draft and will be available in that 40 to 50 range. But I think that's the the type of player that they're trying to acquire. Let me ask you this. What is there a better chance of the 49ers trading back into the first round, or is there a better chance of the 49ers having two second round picks? Uh, better chance that they trade back into the first round. Yeah. But so that's just let's a gut feeling. No, no, that's nothing wrong with that. So let's yeah. give them one position or one player at each position that we think. And assuming that it, it feels like it's kind of narrow minded to just say, you know, it's going to be a receiver or it's going to be a corner, but it's going to be an edge rusher because, you know, for all we know, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers could covet Najee Harris, and for good reason, because he's a very special player. But I would go for the edge, Joe Tryon, and for corner, Greg. I know you've been super you high on him. Yeah. So edge, you, you took my guy. I would have gone Joe Tryon. Uh, for corner, I think Greg Newsom's going to be gone a lot higher than we think. So I'll go with your other guy, Tyson Campbell from Georgia. Love it. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Um, 49ers Red Zone podcast YouTube comment asks, what was your biggest quote you guys took from the press conference? It was one that I feel like nobody's talking about. And Kyle Shanahan said this, and it was at the end of a sentence. He kind of just tucked it in there. He basically said, we don't want the league to know what we're thinking. We don't want them to know what we're doing. And yet everybody seemed to glance over that. You know why that stuck out to me? is because everyone and their mother is saying that Mac Jones is going to be yeah. the pick at number three. And Kyle Shanahan basically saying, yeah, we don't want the league to know. And so just put two and two together – I think they've got something up their sleeves. I felt like no one was talking about that quote. That's the one that really, really stuck out to me. What about you? He had so many quotes where he just didn't want to say anything. He said his exact quote was, so do we know exactly who we want? Maybe, probably, but maybe not. What? (laughs) What does that even mean? But he was doing a great job of giving people the runaround. And again, that's why I think, why would it be Mac Jones based on everything they've said? And he did do a good job and he did have a good point of when he said, you know, there's no real reason for us to leak who we want or for us to tell people who we want right now, because, you know, somebody could jump them. Somebody could give the Jets a a deal that they cannot refuse to jump up and get their guy. But I think based on everything that we've gotten so far, it's going to be fields because 
in this scenario, you know, it's smokescreen central. And that's been the case all April. And to me, the league has done a fantastic job of carrying the water for the 49ers. And we are I, going to pretend to be surprised agree. that it's Justin Fields. 100% and agree. And I cannot wait for that. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head there, right? Why would Kyle Shanahan set up a smoke screen or why would he misdirect people? And a lot of people have been asking that, right? They've been saying Trevor Lawrence is going to go one, Zach Wilson is going to go two, the Niners are up. Why won't they just say who they're picking? Well, you know, if you're the 49ers, if you're Kyle Shanahan, this is the biggest acquisition you're making in your franchise, in your career, right? Why would you want to let anybody in on that decision ahead of when it needs to be made? You don't control your own destiny, right? You pick three. Yeah, the Jet, there are a ton of reports that the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson, but they haven't turned the card in. They haven't announced it. There are a ton of reports that the Jaguars are going to take Lawrence, and we think they will, but they haven't announced it. They haven't turned their card. So why should the Niners put out their cards on the table, right? It's in their best interest to continue to keep uh, you know, their cards close to their best, right? And you don't want it getting out that Kyle Shanahan likes said player or Kyle Shanahan likes that player, and all of a sudden teams above you have a change of heart or whatever the case is, right? So – it's in their best interest to continue to push something else, which in this case is Mac Jones, until they make the pick on Thursday. And unfortunately for 49ers fans, they're going to have to deal with this Mac Jones thing for another, what, 48 hours. But yeah. hopefully come Thursday night at this time, when you and I and the rest of the guys are on here doing our live show, we're talking about Justin Fields. Yeah, I think we will. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how people pivot. And because and the reason I say that is because everybody in the media seemingly is saying Mac Jones. Then whether that is what they're hearing, whether that is what they're just, you know, putting two and two together based on what they feel like Kyle Shanahan wants in a quarterback. I just feel like you are ignoring a lot when it comes to that. And sure, Chris Sims, you know, loves Mac Jones and Chris Sims is the right hand man of Kyle Shanahan, but uh, not not buying. Yeah, neither am I not buying it one bit. What would you accept in a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? uh, I would take. A day three pick at this point. At this point, I don't even think it's about like the pick you get in return. I mean, Kyle Shanahan basically torpedoed Jimmy Garoppolo's value, whatever that value was coming into the press conference. But he's for Kyle Shanahan to be that confident and to say the things he did about Jimmy Garoppolo and continually say that they need a starting quarterback tells me that they have a deal in place for Jimmy Garoppolo. It means that. Come Thursday, there's going to be a team. Maybe it's New England. Maybe it's Denver. Maybe whoever. They're going to miss out on a quarterback. They're going to not take one of these guys in the first round. That team is going to make a move for Jimmy Garoppolo, whether that's a day two pick this year, whether that's a day two pick, day one pick next year, whatever the case is, they have something in place because otherwise they wouldn't do that. Because up until this point, they've been saying how Jimmy's got potential and Jimmy Garoppolo's a part of their plans and all that kind of stuff. And neither John Lynch, who was more eloquent about what he said, and Kyle Shanahan would commit when they were asked directly by whoever asked them the question. So that's that tells me that they've got something in place and they just don't want to straight up lie uh, to us yesterday. So, yes, I, I would think it's a second or third round pick. But at this point, you'd take anything just to cut bait, get Jimmy Garoppolo where he needs to go, bring in the rookie quarterback. That guy is the face of your franchise now and just start fresh. So Jason Lockham from CBS Sports said on Tuesday that, you know, the thoughts around the league is that Jimmy Garoppolo will be moved. So good question there, Johnny. And the reason, the one thing that I would disagree with what you said, because you said the deal is in place, there's nothing for him to tarnish now. Like 
because the deal yeah. is done, he can speak yeah. about Jimmy as freely as he wants. And I right. think that is meaningful. And you can kind of get, you can kind of gauge how he was talking. Like he just seemed fed up. He was over. He did not want he was to over. with numbers <laughs> he was over. anymore. And that almost, because of how frustrated he was, that almost felt like him venting to everybody else. Like, do you know what I just went through? Like he was yeah. all but saying that. But he had the deal. The deal is, quote unquote, in play. We're assuming that the deal is in place. But, yeah, I feel like that is why we ha- we saw that version of Kyle Shanahan. That's because he won't have to deal with that anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I imagine just to answer the question, I think it's going to be two picks. I don't think it's just going to be one pick. I'm not sure if that is going to be a second rounder this year or second rounder next year. But I do think it will be a second rounder if it's a second and a third, a second and a fourth. One of those yeah. picks turn into conditional. But um the 49ers, their their offseason has been tremendous this off uh, this year, and getting recouping those picks with Jimmy is just gonna be you know an icing on the cake, man. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see when it all happens. So another question from YouTube comment: Christopher Johnson, no one in the media asked Shanahan generally about evaluation prospects off the field, i.e., Jones DUI, questionably racist Obama picture. Why is this being avoided? So uh, another video came out today. Thanks for the question, Chris. Uh, the, of Mac Jones partying in a club. And to me, not a big deal. Uh, college kid partying. Yeah. But I didn't think too much of it. Imagine if that was Trey Lance or Justin Fields. If they had just all kind of sweat coming down, party off, um, yeah. whatever, if yeah. it was drugs, who cares? But yeah. if it was not Mac Jones, this would be all over the place. This would be a story. Yeah. So um, we, uh, that's a good point. We just want the reaction to be consistent, no matter who the quarterback is, yes. whether it's Trey Lance, Justin Fields, or Mac Jones. I think you and I agree, regardless of who the player was. You're a college kid. It looked like the video was old, having a good time. We've all done it. It's fine. It's whatever. Just the reaction just needs to be consistent, though. Our producer Rob reminded us that during the press conference, Kyle Shanahan said starting quarterbacks nine times. That would have been a hell of a drinking game to play. Thankfully, you didn't have to worry about that. But yeah, like again, going back to that, it just seems like he is over it. And yeah, um, what's next? That's what I want to know. What happens next? Yeah. So speaking of speaking of Mac Jones, why is this not going anywhere? Why do you think? And we talked about Karen Water. Why do you think people are so convinced that Mac Jones in the, is the pick? Because if we use critical thinking, and I feel like we've done a good job of that over the past you couple I, months, yeah. it might not be popular. But critical thinking would tell you that in no scenario would Mac Jones be the pick at number three. So why would you think that is the case? Yeah, so let's lay out the scenario for why first people in the national media, talking heads who cover the NFL think Mac Jones is the pick, right? I think it's kind of a lazy narrative, but people look at the the type of quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan A, has acquired, has coached, has been a coordinator for. And they think that Mac Jones kind of fits that mold, right? Whether it's Matt Ryan or Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo or Matt Schaub, you name the player and they think, okay, this is exactly what Mac Jones is. This is exactly what Kyle Shanahan's looking for. He's going to take that player. But like you and I have talked about on this podcast, offline, whatever, Kyle Shanahan's never been in the spot. He's never traded three first round picks and a third round pick to move up to number three to take a quarterback. He's only really been in this spot once in 2017 when they drafted second. And they admitted that they didn't look at their these quarterbacks. They had a different plan in mind. It was Kirk Cousins. But now they're looking at these rookie quarterbacks. And it's it to me, it's just a lazy narrative that people continue to bring up Mac Jones because of Kyle Shanahan's history, right? There's no forward thinking that's attached with this. 
And that part of it just confuses me. And I thought Peter King, who was on Colin Coward's show today, made a good point. He said, I don't think it's facts coming out of the 49ers building. It's people covering the NFL, you know, guessing based on what they know about Kyle Shanahan. And that's what this entire process has been. It's been trying to figure out what Kyle Shanahan wants. And I think it's just a lazy narrative that uh, Mac Jones is the pick. And I think the 49ers are completely okay with that, like we talked about, because they're in misdirect mode. And as long as the media continues to run with Mac Jones, I think they won't do anything to deny it. They'll be completely fine with it. But you and I, who have been putting on our critical thinking hats on, have continually said, John Beck, who is Kyle Shanahan's guy, Kyle Shanahan pounded the table to try to get John Beck back in the draft, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. There's two guys that work with John Beck, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, two guys that we think that are going to be there at three, right? No Mac Jones. Then there's two guys that Rich Gangarello went to their pro days, had 49er specific workouts. They worked, I think the last 10 throws or whatever were specific throws that Rich Gangarello directed. That was Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And yet these two things just continue to be missed when it comes to Mac Jones. It's like people just think, despite all this, that Kyle Shanahan is so arrogant that he knows based on film that Mac Jones is the guy. And I do not believe that. I don't think Kyle Shanahan operates that way. And it just, we'll we'll find out on Thursday night, but I just think it's one giant misdirection project. Kyle Shanahan has an opportunity to rewrite the narrative that people think about him. And I think he's going to take full advantage of that. So I just, for many, many reasons that it's not Mac Jones, whether it's the people that he's going up against, his traits, his skill set, and then we just, you know, what does he do? Like, what does he do that Justin Fields or Trey Lance doesn't do? And you cannot answer that question. And then we also have to talk about projections. What you get with Mac Jones now is what yeah. he's going to be probably five years from now. What you get with Justin Fields and Trey Lance now, that's not even close to what they are going to get five years from now. I would confidently say that their floors are probably his ceiling. So I just don't I'd agree, agree with that. that he is the number three overall pick. So I asked today on Niners Nation, who is a prospect that you hope falls that you could potentially see the 49ers either drafting or trading up for, whether that's in the second round or the end of the first round? We had a ton of Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech answers. So Scott James, the reason I bring that up is Scott James on Facebook says, I hope that Farley slips. And the reason I would be terrified of that is because he had a second surgery just on March 26th, so not even a month ago. And Farley came out and said he so Farley still has some weakness in one of his big toes. So that's suggesting the nerve hasn't fully recovered since the last procedure. But, quote unquote, that's a normal stage of recovery. And that's ongoing. He has a bad back. One of my friends texted me today that and they said me and Farley have the same bad have the same back. That is an awful thing to think about. Like, just imagine you invest a premium pick in Caleb Farley and three games in, he's still not fully recovered based on what we have with what we've seen with Jalen Hurd, that should scare the bejeebers out of you and not comparing, not saying that this is the same injury, just knowing yeah. what or just, D Ford. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, the 49ers have gone down this road far too many times. So when it comes to these injuries, I just wouldn't do it, man. I, like if it's a guy who, you know, doesn't have the same injury history. And even if they're close in comparison, as far as skill level goes, I wouldn't touch Farley with a 10 foot pole. I, I honestly would not take him in the first uh, first three rounds just because 
that's not I'm going to let somebody else, you know, figure that out. If he turns out to be a great player, like we assume that he is, then great. And he is like, think of the production that he's had. So per Sports Info Solutions, Caleb Farley was targeted 95 times in his career in the two seasons at Virginia Tech. He broke up 28 passes and had six interceptions. That is unreal production. So if he is healthy, he will be a star. But there is a, always a but and there's a reason that he's falling. And I'm not going to be the reason. Um, I'm not going to be the reason to take that. Yeah. Dan especially has a question. Facebook. Ooh. Dan says, do you think do you think that's why he was so sick at the presser? That's why people think so little of him that he can't evolve. That is a good point, Dan. And I haven't really thought about that. Maybe. So there's no maybe about it. Kyle came out and said he goes on social media after the games, whether it's win or loss. And it's, it's usually inflated in this scenario. um, Mac Jones to the 49ers is uber inflated. That's all you see every day. And, I have a fun time with it because I'm going to just make jokes and have fun and uh, oh, yeah. make memes about it. But I could see a guy like that who, you know, has an ego. He's a head coach in the NFL. He thinks highly of himself for good reason. But if all you're seeing is, oh, he's going to take Mac Jones because that's his guy, then of course. So, yeah, I, I, I don't mind that at all, Dan. I think that's a good point, Akash. What do you think about that? Yeah, Kyle Shannon has a massive ego. And I don't fault him for it. If you're in the NFL, you're one of the – top offensive minds everyone's constantly complimenting you yeah i would too right but then when they do that they also give you the caveat that yeah you constantly are stuck with these middling quarterbacks who don't have high physical tools that's the type of player that you're always associated with of course it's going to frustrate you right you want to be viewed in the light that andy reed or sean payton or someone like that is viewed as like a winner right now kyle shanahan isn't viewed that way right he's just viewed as a good offensive mind so i'm sure his ego has taken a hit and you saw a little bit of that with the Jimmy Garoppolo complaining. Like you you made the point earlier, right? He's kind of like, yeah, I had to work with this guy who's always hurt. And that's why we've been losing and we can't be in that position over the next four years, right? If you were to just sort of put together his words over his last few press, conference, press conferences, that's what he's getting at. And so, yeah, I think he, he's frustrated with that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think he necessarily cares what uh, people on social media have to say, even though he logs on to see what people are saying. I think. I just think it doesn't bother him. But, um, yeah, I, I think he has a massive ego, though. So think about everything that was asked on Monday during the press conference. And here's how here's how tied in we are to quarterbacks. It took Grant Cohn to ask a non-quarterback question. And that is the – I'm pretty sure that was the only quarterback question in yep. about 27, 30 minutes of the presser. So Grant Cohn asked John Lynch, are you guys going to pick up Mike McGlinchey's fifth year option. And without hesitation, Mike was, or John was like, yeah, we've been in touch with, you know, Mike McGlinchey's camp and we're going to pick up his option. So in 2022, Mike McGlinchey is going to make just under $11 million. And that makes him the fifth highest right, fifth highest paid right tackle. I don't think that's bad for Mike McGlinchey. And I know people are, you know, people think that he's the worst player ever, but one galaxy brain take that I had early in the process was, to not pick up Mike McGlinchey's fifth-year option, take advantage of the strong offensive class, offensive line class because there are some legit studs in this class and use that pick that you got back in return for Mike McGlinchey on a tackle. But Kyle has been on record saying that you don't trade a player and then replace him with a draft pick. So instantly, I, I was Googling that information to see if he said anything. So instantly he said no. But was there any surprise for you that the 49ers picked up uh, McGlinchey's fifth-year option? 
it's funny that you say you don't trade away a player and then replace him with a draft pick, yet they did that last year with DeForest Buckner and Javon Kinlaw. So that tells you how much you should really take Kyle Shanahan's word in a press conference at, uh, you know, face value. Uh, But yes, I'm not surprised. I think you and I are at the forefront of the Mike McGlinchey truthers where, uh, yeah, I mean, he has his bad pass block reps, but I think he's fantastic in the run game. And I think he's better than he gets credit for in the pass game. And uh, I think that's something he's knows that he uh, isn't a, a strong suit for him. And he's vowed to put on more weight and work on technique or whatever the case is uh, to improve. And I, I think at that value of 10 or $11 million, like you said, I think it's a steal, especially considering he stayed healthy for 16 games last season. And all of a sudden you put a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance behind him and maybe a couple of the reps that he misses, those guys make magic happen and, people don't even talk about it, right? And that's what you'd hope um, from this season with Mike McGlinchey. So let's tie these two together. So Daniel Meyer on YouTube asks, did you guys catch that Kyle couldn't help but say the injury issue where the injury issue is where it starts, in quotes, with Jimmy Garoppolo? So that's what we talk about going back to the play. When Mike McGlinchey, speaking about Mike McGlinchey, no matter if it's Mac Jones, Trey Lance, or Justin Fields, the 49ers offensive line instantly is better because they have a different quarterback just because of the pocket presence of those three. And I know that they are rookies and I know Jimmy Garoppolo is about to be 30 years old, but their pocket presence is night and day compared to Jimmy just because they know where to go with the ball. There isn't this happy feet. They're not phased by pressure. So I don't think Mike McGlinchey is going to be as big of an issue because he's not playing with whether it's Jimmy or the, the backup quarterbacks that were playing last year. I don't think they have, you know, they're just the quarterbacks that I just named the rookies are just so much better, whether it's under pressure or in the pocket, as far as navigating and moving around and sure Lance and fields are going to be able to run. But even I, I think Jones gets a bad rap as far as his pocket mobility. I think he can move a lot better than people give him credit for. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and this was, again, you mentioned it earlier, this was Kyle Shanahan just starting to kind of change the narrative a little bit, I felt like, about why the 49ers haven't won a lot of games over the past few years. And he was up front. I thought that was his most honest answer. He just said, yeah, we can't deal with the injuries anymore. We can't have that. You know, quarterback's the most important position in sports, and he's missed over 50% of the games, right? And it's as simple as that. But you and I know it goes well beyond just the injuries. Even when he's on the field while the team has won, if you just look at the process, not the results, the process hasn't been good. And um, that, I'm sure, played a role in the 49ers move up to three. Christopher Johnson on YouTube asked, I can't see, or says, I can't see a dimension of the universe where this regime passes on the homes, Watson, Fields, and Lance. Could you imagine, let's pretend that it's going to be Mac Jones, even though it will not. If it is Mac Jones, will I will not. let Christopher Johnson tweet from Niners Nation handle for a week straight. Merry Christmas. But since it won't be, Chris, you're not going to. Anyway, so imagine four years from now, 49ers have Mac Jones, who will be a good quarterback, by the way, if it is. If he he will. Go to the He'll win a lot of games. That, that scenario, and my buddy Seth Galina said this from PFF, Mac Jones needs the 49ers. The 49ers don't need Mac Jones. So if he is on the Niners, it'll be like he'll be a good quarterback. But that doesn't mean that Fields and Lance won't be no matter where they go, because I feel like no matter or independent of the situation, Fields and Lance are going to be stars. And with that in mind, imagine just think four years from now, you have 
Mahomes, you have Watson, and yes, he has a current situation, but we know he's a superstar. Those are two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Fields has a chance to be a star. Lance has a chance to be a star. If both of those two blow up and Kyle has to live with that, oh, man, I, I don't know. I don't know how much longer you keep him around if you're Jed York, and I'm probably the biggest Kyle Shanahan fan on this planet. That was long before he became the 49ers head coach. I know he's an offensive mastermind, but – I mean, you got to get out of your way at some point and being able to pass on these two guys who Trey Lance is still a baby, man. Fields, 22. He started two years. So uh, we have not come close to seeing how good that these two can be. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan's viewed as an offensive genius right now and rightfully so. And I think he would not live it down if he passed on those four quarterbacks. If he passed on those four guys and we, you and I fully expect Fields and Lance, depending on the situation they land into, to blossom into high-level NFL starters and potential stars, he won't live that down. He's barely living down the Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson thing, and the only reason that he's living that down is because they made the Super Bowl in 2019, and you can theoretically justify their plan because it worked for that one season. But I don't think he he can have a repeat of that, and that's why they've been more thorough in this process, I think, in involving a guy like John Beck, who I think Kyle Shanahan really trusts, they're basically running their own mini camp down in SoCal, right? Putting these guys through the ringer this past month, seeing what their work ethics like, seeing how they operate under center, um, seeing what their intangibles are like, how they interact with everybody, all that kind of stuff. So I think he's doing his full due diligence that time, this time, which makes me even more confident that it's not Mac Jones and it's one of those guys. Right. And ultimately, you get one of those guys with Kyle Shanahan and it's a rocket ship and we're off, we're off to the races, I think. So Matt Mayoko, NBC Sports, 49ers, everything. I mean, he is the godfather, essentially. He came out with a piece. He said, Fields might be the most physically talented of the group. Heck, he might also be the smartest. But it sure looks like his footwork in the pocket needs a lot of attention. He might have the highest ceiling. He might have the lowest floor. How do you feel about that? Just add it to the list. Real quick here, real quick, not to interject. Matt is on record on his podcast saying that he doesn't really watch these guys in depth and he talks to scouts. So this is probably coming from a scout. This isn't more than likely. This is not coming from Matt Mayoko. So I want to make sure that I get that on. That the record. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right. It's not, I don't think it's Matt's evaluation. It's Matt's, Matt's the messenger, right? Mayoko. Um, but of just what was said there, just added to the list of things people are criticizing Justin Fields for, man. I feel like every year one guy gets a bad rap. Last year it was Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, a couple years ago it was Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. A few years before that it was Deshaun Watson. Just someone gets put through the ringer, and for some reason that happens to be Justin Fields. Nationally, they're talking about his ability to process, read defenses, go through progressions. They're ta- they were talking about his work ethic at one point. Um, and now we're talking about his footwork in the pocket when there's literally clips I can show you from the national championship when Justin Fields is playing with broken ribs he is in a pocket that like you and I could barely fit into and he's hitting dudes in stride down the field. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he's a perfect prospect, but there are plays on tape where you just, you're wowed. And so I just think it's an unfair criticism that of his footwork and then the lowest floor thing. I think you and I both agree. He might have the highest floor in this draft class, including Trevor Lawrence. He might be right up there with Trevor Lawrence neck and neck. So I have no idea why you'd think he has the lowest floor. There's a guy we think has the lowest floor, and we think he's going to go two in Zach Wilson. I think he has the lowest floor personally. But 
Yeah, I was actually going to say, I, I, I was wondering if you're going to say Mac Jones about the lowest floor, but to me, it's Zach Wilson. And I'm not sure it that is, that's easily. Yeah. I don't feel like that's much of a hot take at all, but yeah, when you watch fields and that's a good point about bodies being all around him. And I, Pretty much three times a week, I, there's a park here and there's a QB coach and he trains D1 QBs. And I love to watch that just to see what they're talking about. And based on the footwork that he tells his kids, Justin Fields does it to a T. And I don't know what that quote that the scout, let's assume that it came from a scout. I'm not sure what he's talking about, because whether it's against Alabama or whether whether it's against FAU, Fields feet are always in line with his target. Like that's why his accuracy does not waver when bodies are around him. Because of that, that is why his his floor is going to be very high. He is not flustered. He is not phased by pressure. And that is because he has good footwork. So sure, there are things that he needs to work on, but I would not say that his feet are an issue. So yeah, I think it's just as far as his ceiling and his floor goes. Um, his ceiling is like superstar, top five quarterback in the NFL. Like, think about it. He's a true junior. And in his first season as a starter, he, what, I think his his quarterback, he threw like 41 touchdowns. and 41 he had, to three, three yeah. picks. Think about that. That at, In his first season, that's what he did in Ohio State. And sure, and, you know, not, the competition was always great, but I, I don't know. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't want to turn this into a Justin Fields slobber fest, but I heard this somewhere. That was so when he transferred to Ohio State and had that awesome 2019 season, that was the first time he had ever moved out of Georgia, right? He's from Kennesaw, Georgia. Then he goes to University of Georgia in the area, leaves home, goes to Ohio State, new system, new area, new surroundings, and absolutely lights it up in 2019. And I feel like the adversity aspect with Justin Fields, I feel like isn't brought up enough. And it's something that is really hard to see with some of these other prospects, right? Do How do they respond through adversity, how they play through that? And I thought that's something we saw with Justin Fields both in 2019 and then in 2020 as he was getting peppered uh, against Northwestern Indiana. This will continue to be a slobber fest, Rob Guerrero, because Justin Fields will be the pick at number three. And I'm will glad be the pick. we were out in front of that early, and I cannot wait to brag about that specifically to our <laughs> producer, Rob. Let's move on here. So Larry Grant, former 49er, he believes Justin Fields is also going to be number three. But to be fair, he's a Buckeye, so of course he's going to root for Justin Fields. <laughs> he also said he believes that the 49ers trade back into the first at either 23 or earlier because he wants Najee Harris, who he believes will go 24 and 32. You mentioned Najee earlier. To me, real quick, just on the player, star, complete star. The, the knock Super on star. him is he's not going to give you home run because he doesn't run like a 4-4 or whatever. But if you watch Alabama, he has plenty of explosive plays. Yeah. And think about the 49ers offense. There's so much space. You don't have to run a 4-3 to have a 60-yard gain in the NFL. I think he would be the best uh, receiving back on the 49ers that they've had in a long, long time. Like Seriously, if Kyle Shannon is able to get his hands on Najee Harris, I can only imagine how that passing game takes off, especially with a rookie quarterback that, you know, in this sense, will be able to hit them or hit Najee Harris on the wheel routes that he loves. So um, I know that running back is not going to be popular. I know especially if you trade up for a running back, they're going to get killed for it on Twitter. But just wait till Sunday, man. If, if Najee Harris is indeed in their plans, wait till week one and you will not be disappointed in Najee Harris. Uh, Kosh, how have you seen the ties to Najee Harris with the 49ers throughout this draft process? 
Yeah. So first off, I, I also think highly of, of Najee Harris. You watch. So when you watch Mac Jones, you realize how the, the guys around him are freakishly talented, whether it's his receivers or Najee Harris. And the plays that they make routinely are just eye opening. And then you look at the guy off the field, whether what it's what he said in pressers or just how he's acted and carried himself. He seems like a really, really high level guy. And I think would be someone that's awesome with the 49ers. Obviously, he's from the Bay Area. I think he's from NorCal. So would be coming home and playing for his hometown team. The connection to the 49ers. So Najee Harris, about a week after the 49ers had traded up from 12 to 3, uh, did a press conference, I think, with NFL Network, uh, if I remember correctly. And he said that he thought the 49ers were going to take him at 12. Uh, he went on and on about how they spent a lot of time with him. Bobby Turner, who's a running backs coach, did a ton of Zoom interviews with him or calls with him. So he was in touch with the 49ers heavily during that time. And what that shows me is that the 49ers are intrigued by what Harris brings to the field. And potentially, and we know this, once the 49ers, especially Kyle Shanahan, likes a guy, they get extremely aggressive. They don't care about like the draft picks or the value. They'll go get the player that they want. And again, a lot of people will be like, ah, running back, why do we need that? Whatever. I'll say the 49ers only have Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson under contract this season, I believe. And so you got to think a little big picture here. Najee Harris would instantly be, what, the best running back on the roster and someone that's under roster control, under team control for the next five years. So I think you put those two pieces together, and I can certainly see that the 49ers fall in love with that player and make a trade back up into round one and and grab him. So I I can see that happening uh, on Thursday night. If Kyle Shanahan pounded the table for Joe Williams, he better freaking pound the table for (laughs) Najee Harris. So Nick Ellert, YouTube, asks, what did you make of the Trey Lance ending on your interview with That's the Plan? So for those of you who have not heard that yet, please just – you can go on our YouTube channel right here. You can go on NinersNation.com. You can go on Spotify to listen or Apple, wherever it is you get your podcast. And, of course, subscribe, rate, review. But – Trey Lance, at the very end, we were talking about, hey, man, hopefully we're talking to you on Thursday night and you're the number three overall pick. Like, we want to root for you because if you just listen to the interview, he makes it super easy to root for. He's an intelligent man. Uh, He just seems like he's knowledgeable and aware. And he pokes fun at himself. Like, that was another thing that was really fun. Like, he didn't didn't take himself too too seriously. And I really uh, appreciated that. So, Akash, when you heard that, did you read into that? Did you think that – Maybe he got a draft promise. Maybe he has, you know, heard something. What did you think? Yeah, I, I wouldn't think that he got a draft promise or anything like that. I think the 49ers truly haven't told any of these prospects who they're taking, and they won't until Thursday is what I believe. How I took it is if you're a quarterback prospect, and I said this when the 49ers traded up to number three, why wouldn't you want to go play for Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers? A, let's start. The 49ers, one of the biggest brands in the NFL. If you're the quarterback for this team and you're good, you, you're you going to be like what viewed as one of the faces of the league. They're going to put you on everything. You're just going to be the new man on campus. So why wouldn't you want to go play for that guy? Second thing is just the roster, the coaching staff, the stability that the organization provides. Of course, you're going to want to go there, right? So that to me felt like a more personal experience. If you're on, If you're at like a job interview and you really, really want the job, you're like, man, that's the plan. I really want that job but you have no idea how the company or the employer is viewing you. And I think that's how I kind of took that from, from Trey Lance. So a couple more things here before we get out of here. And I don't know how to pronounce your name, Mr. Tang. So I'm not even going to pretend to mess it up, but YouTube asks, 
What do you think of Kyle saying, if you're excited about a guy at 12, you should be excited at a guy at three. And I understand what he wanted to say. I understand that, you know, (laughs) draft value is overrated in a sense, but that's not how this works. You can't do that because if they were excited at number for a guy at number 12, they wouldn't have traded multiple first round picks to move up for a guy at number three. That's not yet. It, it just didn't register to me. It didn't make sense. Um, if they wanted a guy at 12, if they wanted Justin Fields at 12, then they would stay and draft Justin Fields or Trey Lance or whoever it is that they wanted number three. So, yeah, I, I knew what he meant as far as value and, you know, overvaluing draft picks. But, uh, Kyle, that's not how this works. And you know that. Don't lie to our face like that. Akash, what do you think? That's typical coach speak, right? A, right. The coach doesn't understand what the value is for a first-round pick. All he thinks is, let me get that player. Let me get my hands on him. Let me coach him up. Let's go win some games. And so I think that's what Kyle meant. A lot of people took that to mean, oh, if I like Mac Jones at 12, let me just trade three first-round picks and go get him at three. No, nah, that's not what he meant. He's smarter than that. Uh, like like you said, he was trying to say something else, I think, but it just came out funny and people just interpreted it and ran with it differently. But um, so- yeah, that's, that's not what he was getting at. Let's uh let's make some predictions before we get out of here. Speaking of 12 and 3, and I imagine a lot of the media and where they're getting this Mac Jones info from is the 49ers probably loved Mac Jones at number 12. Now that they're at number three, not an option. And I will go on, I will say number three overall pick. My prediction is Justin Fields. Akash, what is yours? Justin Fields, the Ohio State University. We're riding until the wheels fall off. Number 43 overall, what position and what player? Uh, they won't be picking at 43. They're going to trade back into the first round. I predict they take Najee Harris running back. Yes. University of Alabama. Maybe you've heard of them. My prediction, Thursday night when you and I are doing the 49ers media Zoom, we're going to talk to Justin Fields and Najee Harris. That would be lovely because the takes for running back in the first round will be out of control and I cannot wait, but Najee Harris is a first round player. So I would have no issue with that. I am going to say they trade up, but not for Najee Harris. I'm going to say that Greg Newsom falls a little bit just enough because JC Horn's going to go, Patrick Sertan's going to go, and then Sertan's going to slip because the quarterbacks and because the other positions are going to go. And the 49ers are able to jump to the twenties and select Greg Newsom with their number 43 overall pick. And let's say, and you know, another future third rounder comp pick, whatever it may be um, to move up a few spots, or I guess in this sense, 20 spots, so not a few at all, but they will get the compensation needed necessary to move up. So um, that'll do it for us. We want to thank you again, please subscribe, rate review. We will be here all draft weekend, giving you, content reacting live giving you raw analysis go to ninersnation.com and we will have write-ups and our you know analysis on what we think of the picks we are not i promise you if there is a pick that we do not agree with we are not going to be the people that tell you oh great pick no matter what we are not going to carry water for the team i do not care i will never be that guy and if even if i lose access um i'm just i'm okay with telling the truth and i know that you know, might not always come off as the greatest thing because we've seen it with Jimmy. But as you see things unfold, everything comes to the light. So once again, I want to thank you guys for listening. Please rate, subscribe, review wherever it is that you get your podcast. Please leave us five stars. Follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. Akash, where can we find you? Yeah, first off, appreciate you guys for listening, especially if you're on YouTube or Facebook, uh, chiming in with all these comments. We appreciate that. We love interacting with you guys. 
Uh, it's the best part about the job for sure. Uh, we'll be back. I don't know if Kyle mentioned this. We'll be back Thursday night. We've got a we've got a couple of the other guys that do the podcast on the Niner Nation Podcast Network. We'll have a live draft show at starting at 5 p.m. Pacific right on this YouTube channel. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to wherever you get the podcast. Drop us a review. Rate us five stars. Uh, we really appreciate it. You can find me at Twitter at Akashanav, A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. And with that, KP, thank you. <laughs>